church. Happy Sabbath. Before we open God's word, let's uh, bow our heads and knees and um, we're going to pray. But um, without name, I'm going to mention one of my brother who's here. And I just found out today that he is seriously ill. Um, and I know that person uh, personally, and uh, I just want to uh, lift him up in prayer. Let's bow. Dear Heavenly Father, yes, my Redeemer is faithful and true. Our Redeemer is faithful and true. Lord, you know that person, our brother. You know his life, what he went through, how much he loves you. And I'm just pleading that you would give him peace. May he experience in a special way your love. And if it's your will, your almighty healing power. Lord, also I'm pleading that you would bless us with the Holy Spirit. We are thank you for the Holy Spirit that you never revoked since you poured out upon your church on Pentecost. You're pleading for the latter rain. You're pleading complete victory over sin. That your son Jesus Christ can do it in us, in our lives. In his precious name, amen. Uh, I noticed the last couple weeks, I don't know if you guys did it or not, um, that to me, the speakers um, in this church are are bringing up a, a topic. Uh, Brother Ron, you brought it up, uh, Monty last week, uh, Camp Miller, we are somehow feel this urgency to get our attention to the close of a probation and Jesus Christ's return. And and I think this is this is actually sums up our Adventist our whole Adventism. That's why we are Adventists. It's not just a church, a church of many of them, but we have a special mission. We have a calling to tell the world that Jesus is coming back soon, and we have to be ready. And that's what I see, and if we look at the world out there, and we can see signs all over. Uh, we, can see, uh, uh, we can see signs in the politics, you know, moral decline. I mean, we all know those things, but what something interesting happened in, on 4th of July. I don't know if you guys caught it or not. Um, it was the highest average temperature of the Earth, the average temperature, not the most hottest day, but it's the hot, hottest every tem- um, average temperature of the Earth. Uh, it was 62.92 Fahrenheit. That was the hottest since we began to measuring the Earth temperatures uh, via satellite. I mean, just the interesting things. Obviously, they are um, trying to. Um, explain to certain things, just like the anti-Diluvian church uh, uh, world uh, physicists try to come up with the reason why it would be not possible to have flood. I mean, now people are coming up with uh, this explanation that we know what's going on. 
the, uh, the world is getting re- uh, ripened up for Jesus Christ's return. Um, another interesting thing um, that uh, our Adventist church is under attack. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys heard that, that in Walla Walla University uh, we had our Lavender graduation for LGBTQ uh, students. It was in the church. And uh, we, they created a, a special protect, protective group called Haven, yeah, ironically, uh, for this group. And um, it just reminds me that maybe a decade ago when we first heard about the emerging church or the woman ordination, maybe a decade or more, that was one of our first response that this is going to open the door to this influences. And lo and behold, this influences uh, in uh, universities, in the hospital systems, and in Germany, there was a um, pastor who, after came out, I actually, I have it in my phone, it's uh, not worth it to uh, mention the name, but for a couple months, that local conference endorsed him and let him keep his credentials, even though he was promoting that lifestyle. And uh, it is just telling me that uh, that uh, even in a clergy, Satan finds his way. Now, remember, remember that uh, what we read in uh, uh, from the Spirit of Prophecy, Satan will work his miracles to deceive. He will set up his power as supreme. The church appears as about to fall, but it does not fall. It remains while the sinners in Zion will be sifted out. The shed separate from the precious wheat. It is a terrible ordeal, but nevertheless it must take uh, place. So don't, don't forget that. Satan will shake this church. The, the, the church will be shook, uh, shaken by, um, not Satan, but the, the testimony of the Spirit when we let, uh, read it in Revelation that uh, the true description of us, you know, we are wretched, blind, naked, miserable. That will shake the church, the true testimony. So the title is almost, and we use the word almost in many positive ways. We are almost home, right? That was our our motto not too long ago, or we almost got into an accident. But there is another application of almost, this word, that also we can uh, can, um, read in the spirit of uh, prophecy, a really sober uh, application of this word. Let me read it in the Christ Object Lesson 118, I think the first paragraph. There are some who seem to be always seeking for the heavenly pearl, but they do not make an entire surrender of their wrong habits. They do not die to self that Christ uh, may live in them, therefore they do not find the precious pearl. They are not overcome unholy ambitions. 
they do not ta、uh, take up the cross and follow Christ in the path of self-denial and sacrifice. Almost Christians, yet not fully. Christians, they seem near to the kingdom of heaven, but they cannot enter there. Almost, but not wholly saved, means to be not almost, but wholly lost. That's you can find it quote in Christ Object Lesson 118. And then this is really sobering. Because,、um, as it,、uh, I was mentioning in the Sabbath school, you can blow so many things in life, and you can start over. You can have a whole life lived in sin, like uh, the uh, thief on the cross, but still you had、uh, hope. But after the cause of probation, that's it. There's no more. Time out or 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 start again. See, Satan with this crazy ideas of、uh, rapture and stuff. They want to lure the rest of the Christendom in this idea that yes, you will have another chance. No, that's a lie. <laughs> no, when the when the、uh, probation is closes, that's it. And by then, we have to overcome all of our sins. Or there's there's no no exceptions. No exception. It doesn't mean that. Like in the 1800s, there was a movement、uh, called the、uh, Holy Flesh movement. I don't know if you heard about it or not, but people thought that they they just cannot sin. No, this is not. This is, as you getting closer and closer to Christ, you can you can see yourself uglier and uglier in contrast of His holiness. But the Holy Spirit or Comforter will lead us through this ordeal. So to go back to the title, almost,、uh, um, I it reminds me of a story, a story of Agrippa II. Now, interestingly, Agrippa II it was a seventh generation of Herod, the、uh, great Herod. It was a seventh generation. So his grandfather, grandfather go back. He was a seventh. However, he died without a child. So this is when his bloodline died out. And uh, uh, he was born in a royal environment. Uh, uh, we can see it, you know, with a silver spoon.、Uh, his father died when he was 17 years old, but he lived in Rome, in uh, in uh, uh, Roman Empire that was the center of the empire, the capital city, so to speak, where he was really good friendship with the、uh, Caesars.、Uh, You know Caligula or Claudius or Nero. He was a Hellenistic Jew. Now the Hellenistic Jews they love the Greek culture and the Greek philosophy and the Greek lifestyle, and、uh, that was the the in thing. You know, if、uh, if you lived in that、uh, era,、um, everybody followed this liberal lifestyle of the Greeks. Everything was okay. Pretty much every. If you are a citizens of Rome, you can do whatever you want as long as you、um, worship and give the respect to the Caesar. But besides that, no moral issues. There, there was no issue with moral. They can do whatever they want. Actually, 
uh, Agrippa II, he had an inappropriate relationship with his own sister. Bernicke, that the Bible also um, mentioned that was his own sister. So, um, he didn't realize that at one point he had this his whole life come to the most significant point of his life. The most important, and we know the story. If you open our Bible at Acts 26, we can just read a couple of verses that can um, uh, refresh our memory of this whole, of this story. So Acts 26. Twenty twenty-three. Yeah, um, this is where actually we can start in nineteen. Uh, Paul tried to present himself to Agrippa. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do work benefiting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, this is, to this day I stand witnessing both to small and great saying no other things that those which the prophets and Moses said would come. That Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from dead, and would proclaim light to the Jews, uh, the Jew uh, people, and to Gentile. If you go to uh, 20 and continue to the 29. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention, since these things were not done in, in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then, uh, then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost proceed me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. So, we can see this king here who who had this last rays of hope reaching out to him. And uh, we know the story of him that he unknowingly missed it. Though he knew all the evidences that Paul was mentioning to him, 
he he just missed it. He just completely missed it. And though he was a Jew and claimed his Jew faith, he he completely lost the very reason why he is a Jew to be uh, a part of God's people. Um, how about us? Because it's not just a group of the second who was almost saved or almost Christian, but you heard about Judas, we mentioned about Saul, we talked about the whole anti-Diluvian world. I mean, the door of the ark was open for how many, how many days uh, Noah was building that ark. They could have been saved. They could have been saved. So what about us? And uh, uh, first and foremost, I'm preaching to myself. See, uh, Jesus sees sin differently than us. Completely differently. Um, if you look at the Sermon of the Mountain, we can see how he sees sin. How different his interpretation that our um, interpretation so when we start, and we can, we can actually go to Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 to just refresh our memory of what Jesus is talking about here in regards to his law, the fulfillment of law. Um, if you just uh, start with uh, 5.14, you are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. How is our influence to our people? See, uh, God accepts us to be a good influence to each other. He accepts us to, to lift each other up. Uh, how is our influence to our spouses, our relatives, our, our um, co-workers? Do they see us as as someone that they want to um, uh, follow or just know uh, or curious about why they are different, why they are not cussing around, why they are not uh, laughing at jokes that inappropriate? Do we have a good influence to our spouses? Are we lifting them up or are we pushing them down? To be a light of the world or a salt of the earth is <laughs> God's um, requirement that we should make the world better around us in regards to salvation. You know, it's, it's not that we are just a friendly, good people around us, but we need to have a positive, life-saving influence that comes through God coming through us and reaching the people around us. So that, that's how Jesus sees us, his followers, as a, uh, as a light of the world. Or let's go deeper. If you go on and um, uh, and see 27. Uh, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, but I say to you, that whoever looks at woman to lust for his, lust for her has already committed adultery with her heart, within heart with his heart um, you think that uh, 
LGBTQ lifestyle is bad. Adultery is just as bad as the rest of sexual sins. And and how hypocrite can we be when we are condemning one lifestyle yet we emerging the other? Um, both of them were punished in the Old Testament with death. God hates other tree. And, uh, and uh, we can easily commit that even with our eyes. Um, what, what about divorce? Did you know that God hates divorce? If you look at uh, Malachi, uh, he says it in there, I hate divorce. The only reason that you can divorce your spouse is adultery. That's the only reason. Not We are living in a society where the statistics of the church and the world in, in, uh, in regards to divorce rates is the same. There's no difference. God hates divorce. What about loving our enemies? Sometimes we have problem to love our brothers and sisters in our church. How can we love our enemies? And God wants us to love even our enemies. Now, the love is, a, a, I think, the most misinterpreted and abused word in the world today. The LGBT world <laughs> puts love in their flags. <laughs> That's not love. If you want to know what's love, you have to uh, read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. If you want to see what love is, you have to see Jesus on the cross. On the cross. That's love. Love is an agape love, a lifestyle, not a feeling that today is here and tomorrow is gone. Love is living and seeing and, and giving the benefits of the dots um, in reverse of our, our brethren, opening our our resources for them if they are in need, and uh, and 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 live a life that uh, that that Jesus lived, never ever um, rejected anyone, anyone. Love is not that uh, fluffy feeling that we sometimes we, we feel. It is a lifestyle. It is a principle that only God can put in us through the Holy Spirit. Let's uh, let's go um, seven, chapter seven. Judge not that you not uh, you be not judged. And there is a I have this uh, uh, Bible from the Remnant Publication. I have E. G. White quotes in it's in Deserve Ages three fourteen. Do not think yourself better than other men, and set yourself up as their judge. Since you cannot discern motive, you are incapable of judging another. In criticizing him, you are passing sentence upon yourself, for you show that you are a participant with Satan, the accuser of the brethren. The Lord says, examine yourself whether ye be in the faith, Prove yourself. Prove your own selves. This is our work. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged.
Now, if you go down to Matthew 7, um, 16, it seems it's contraindicating because it says that you will know them by the phrase talks about the false prophets, by the fruits. Do men gather grapes on a thorn bush or uh, figs from the swords? So what can we judge? We cannot judge the motive. We cannot judge the heart. But we can and we should judge the fruits. We, we should, uh, when a church disciplines someone, it should be disciplining the action and the action that that person is associating with, but not the person. We don't know. In a prison or in a hospital where I'm working, we don't know what these people's heart is. We cannot judge the person, but we can, and we should judge the action. That's what God does. He gives hope and a second and a third chance to the person, but God hates the sin. And this is what people need to uh, receive from us. Never judge a person until the probation, even after the probation. I believe that the last days, every save, every people will cry. You know? The saved are going to cry for those that are lost. I mean, it is a horrible order to think that that I didn't do everything for that person, for that family member, for that brother, for that sister, for a neighbor. Um, E.G. White also writes that in heaven, what we regret the most is our time that we wasted. In heaven, we cannot um, <laughs> bear, uh, cannot uh, save people. But in this earth, we should do everything for our brothers and sisters. And the best sermon is preached is your life. But not what you sweating out by your own power, but what you let God do in you. And this is what we have to see. So that's why, that's why when you are in heaven, everybody is going to put the crown at the foot of Jesus because we give all the credit to Christ. Because it's not us. It is not us. Um, there is another quote that I that I wrote down. I think it's somewhere that that really, really. See, it's in my phone. Also, uh, let me read it because because this this really puts the emphasis or. It is a month, uh, I think MB is for abbreviation, month of blessing, right? Okay, 141 uh, page of 104. The Christian life is a battle and a march, but the victory to be gained is not won by human power. The field of conflict is the domain of the heart. The battle which we have to fight, the greatest battle that was ever fought by man is, and this is, this is a secret, is the surrender of self to the will of God. That's what Brother Ron was mentioning. The yielding of the heart to the sovereignty of love. The old nature born of blood and of will of the flesh. 
cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The hereditary tendencies, the former habits, must be given up. So what makes the difference? Who makes the difference? That we are almost saved or fully saved? Actually, it is me. It is our choices. My response to Jesus' transforming love that was demonstrated on the cross. Do I really believe that he died for me, even though I am the chief of sinners? I fell on my face left and right. Do I believe that he who freed the demonic um, people, you know, in, uh, uh, when he was uh, passing the uh, Sea of uh, Galilee, uh, he can also save me from sin, from all of them? Do I let myself die with Christ so he can live in me? Can I give all my plans, all of my education, all of my life, all of my opinions to him? Can I humble myself? Not just in front of him, but in front of our, our brethren in the church? Can I claim his life on a daily basis? So the choice is mine. And um, just like every person in this earth, including Agrippa II, we make our choices on a daily basis. We don't know when we, by our choices, uh, sealing our faith. And uh, ironically, <laughs> Agrippa said it, you almost precede me to be a Christian. What a tragedy. But you know, you can think about Pilate. He had his chance. Many, many people. I just heard about the guy from the Philippines who grew up in an Adventist church. He was, he was really... Um, um, Zealous, he was part of a big missionary program, and now he uh, published a book, "How I Became an Atheist." You know, this guy he he had excellent um, influences. He was admired by many people, and now he's atheist. Um, we are living in a time of shaking, and we don't know when we seal our own faith, faith with our, our, our choices. So I will finish it with a prayer, prayer that uh, E.G. White wrote down, and may that prayer would help us to make the right choices. The language of the soul will be, Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it it is thy property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me. Raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. Amen. Amen.